0: Greetings. We hope you enjoy this podcast of a Science for the Public program. If you'd like to see the video of this program, just search the title on our website under the Archives tab at the top of the homepage, www.scienceforthepublic.org. Good evening. I'm Yvonne Stapp for Science for the Public, and I welcome you to tonight's Contemporary Science Issues and Innovations. Wind energy is one of the leading forms of alternative energy and wind farms are being constructed around the world. Our guest tonight explains why offshore wind farms are increasingly popular and why the U.S. needs to catch up with the trend. Andrew Myers is an associate professor of civil and environmental engineering at Northeastern University and he's a registered professional engineer in the state of California. His group at NEU is involved in the effort to advance offshore energy. Dr. Myers and his colleagues emphasize that coastal Massachusetts has the natural resources to be a global leader in offshore wind energy production. We'll hear about the benefits of this energy resource and the challenges of launching such wind farms in the U.S. It is a great pleasure to welcome Dr. Andrew Myers. Welcome, sir.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: And we're delighted that you're able to talk about this because your group is working on some very advanced technology in this area. So first of all, I guess, could you give us a little background about wind energy In general and then we'll go on to the technical (laughs)
1: sure yeah so I guess one one point I'd like to make is that uh, onshore wind energy in the United States is one of the cheapest sources of energy in the whole country Uh, in the Great Plains uh, the cost of energy is about three cents a kilowatt hour it's 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 one among the cheapest Um, in terms of efficiency um, wind turbines are are generating almost 60 percent of uh, the power in the wind, converting that to electricity. I That's see. the theoretical limit, and, the, and they're almost at that theoretical oh, limit.
0: I see. So it would never be 100 percent, but it would be like 60 percent of that wind gets That's died. right, because
1: the wind has to pass through the turbine, so you can't right. take all of the energy right. out of the Thank wind. Right. Thank you. Yeah. Okay.
0: All yeah. right. Then, in terms of the design of these turbines, I understand it's pretty complicated, mm-hmm. but could you give us some idea about that? The design of these things, that's your thing. <laughs> that's
1: right, yeah, right. So um, uh, uh, one advantage to a wind turbine is to getting the, the, the hub, the center of the rotor, as high as possible. Uh-huh. So, um, so that's where winds are stronger and steadier. Yes, I see. So you need a, a, a very tall tower to support uh, a wind turbine. And then the mechanical equipment is all up top as well. So you need a, a structure that is tall to get the the, the blades up high, yes. and you need to support the uh, the, the generator and the gearbox and the mechanical equipment up at that height.
0: Okay. So and this generates a huge amount of energy uh, in the end. Whatever.
1: That's right. Modern machines we're looking at about a, a capacity. So that means the maximum power they can yeah. produce is about ten megawatts. Um, ten megawatts. A
0: machine per Per turbine. machine. Turbine. That's right.
1: Ten megawatts operating for a year can power something like five thousand homes, and that's a single wind
0: turbine and when you talk about a wind farm then it's huge
1: that's right you're talking you're talking about hundreds of megawatts when you talk about a full wind farm that's okay
0: right. then in terms of offshore versus Onshore, could we take that up and then go back to the engineering some more? Okay.
1: Sure. So, um, so offshore has some advantages. Um, the one of the main advantages is that the wind resource tends to be stronger and ah. steadier um, when you don't have to go over rough terrain like you do onshore. So, so you I get see. strong winds at low elevations uh, offshore. I see. Another advantage of offshore is that there's developable space close to population centers, like all of the cities along the Atlantic coast. We don't have spaces onshore that we can develop massive wind farms. That but offshore, very close to where the electricity is used, we can develop offshore wind farms.
0: That's a very interesting point because the world is urbanizing Mm -hmm, and -hmm. you're going to have to serve these huge cities, uh, presumably, you know, like all over the world. That is the trend.
1: That's right. And the kind of drawback to offshore compared to onshore is is all else being equal. It's more difficult to build a machine offshore than it is to build one onshore.
0: Yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, I can can understand that. Do you have to worry about like the, what would you call it, the foundation, the soils in which you're planting these things? Can you give us an idea of that, and then?
1: Yeah, that's actually so. Uh, so, the, Europe has a has a has three decades of experience in developing the offshore wind energy industry, and so they figured out a lot of technical challenges. Um, and and the kind of soil geotechnical characteristics mm-hmm. below um, at at the seabed is a is a huge part of the technical uh. challenge. And so we have different geotechnical soil characteristics here in the U.S. than they do in Europe. So we'll, so that we'll have to we'll have to figure out some of those technical problems. I see. In particular, up here in the North Atlantic. Uh, we have boulders from the glacial moraine. That has uh, so, ah. so it's a, an issue that we'll have to figure out and how to construct these turbines in such a, uh, a soil situation.
0: Okay, so this that is an issue anywhere in the world. That that's one of the things that they have to look at. What else do they have to consider in terms of areas for wind farms like that? So the soil as a foundation. And- so
1: so soil is one thing. Um, uh, the shallower the water depth, typically the easier the construction. Uh-huh. So, um, so a, a really great site has has you know favorable soil characteristics, shallow water depth, and by that I mean like less than let's say thirty meters or I so, see. and an average wind speed of something like eight to nine or even higher meters per second. Okay. And, and if you have those three things, it's a very Uh, lucrative site for development
0: ah excellent now in terms of the wind you have said the east coast is optimal for this in the world
1: yeah the 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 resource on the Atlantic coast of the u.s is world-class it has some of the highest average annual wind speeds in shallow water close to population oh i see so it's it's as good as the best sites in europe
0: okay are there some disadvantages to offshore in general and east coast
1: Uh, disadvantages compared to onshore Uh, yes well
0: I'm not sure I was thinking like hurricanes uh, storms the other one would be rising seas and I don't know if that's an issue but Storms would that be a consideration? Oh
1: sure, yeah. So so uh, so an offshore wind turbine will not be operating during a storm. It it, it has the ah. ability to to stop its blades from rotating and to feather them, which means that it's trying to grab as little loading from the wind as possible okay. during a storm. Okay. Okay. And so so Europe, like I said, has 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 three decades of experience right. in, in designing these machines. Yes. And so they, they have a good understanding of how to design them for the storms that Europe gets. But, but, but Europe does not get hurricanes. So, so that is an issue specifically for the Atlantic coast that, that I've been working on and that, and that other engineers along in the U.S. are thinking about, about how can we design these to be uh, reliable uh, during hurricane events.
0: Could we go into that a little sure, bit now yeah. because that's your area I think is yep. the design and so you're taking in a lot of considerations there. Could you give us a little view of what you're doing?
1: Yeah so so we're trying to we're, we're trying to calculate uh, the reliability of an offshore wind turbine during a hurricane. So we want to know how often we think they're going to fail during a hurricane. And that should be a very, very small number, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. the the people who are financing these farms, the people who are insuring these farms, want them to fail very irregularly. So we've been trying to put numbers on that. And and we found that it is a pretty small number Uh. so far. Um, And and a lot of that is because when you are during a storm and you're you're telling the, the wind turbine to feather its blades, the loads will go down when the blades are feathered. Yes. So, so compared to when it's operating and trying to grab as much load as possible like. from the wind, um, it, it has a different way of, of, of orienting its blades that can reduce loads. I see. And then uh, and on top of that, and then you also have wave loading um, so so when, when hurricanes come they're gonna be pushing right. pushing waves and so, yeah. so you have to you have to design the wind turbine to be able to handle the wind load and the wave load during a hurricane yes. but it's a practical problem it's something it's something we can design around okay and uh... and like i said our numbers so far suggest that the, the the, the, the probabilities that these fail are very, very low.
0: That is interesting. I imagine this this technology seems to develop very rapidly oh, too sure, in yeah. terms of its efficiency. A lot of other things, and so I want to talk to you about materials too. But you, you're in. At the end of the day, you're not terribly worried about the hurricanes or waves or whatever. You can address it.
1: I'm completely confident we can design around these issues. Yeah, okay. they're they practical problems, right?
0: If you have storms lasting, like, several days and things like that, what is the storage capacity? How is that designed, batteries or whatever now?
1: Yeah, so, um, so during the storm, we, it wouldn't be generating. Right, right. So, so there wouldn't be any kind of power production uh, right, during the storm. Right. Um, storage in general for renewable energy is, is a, a big part of the, the challenge yeah. as we're trying to push towards greater right, penetrations. Right. Of renewable energy is figuring out how, how to store the energy. Yes. And so that's a whole field of of research. Uh, Okay,
0: I uh, ask it because we don't know in the general public that the storage capacity for these various types of renewable energy, uh, uh, they're improving.
1: And it becomes an increasingly important issue as the percentage of energy our country generates increases uh, as it generates more and more from renewable energy. So at first, as we're just starting to develop the offshore wind energy industry, it's not as big an issue as it will be when the industry starts to grow. Yes,
0: okay, all right. Can we go back to the design of the turbines mm-hmm. and this all these, the, the materials, uh, the size of these oh, things yeah. and the wind farms, the placement of oh, sure. the turbines. Could you tell us some of all of that? Ben? Yeah,
1: right. Um, so construction practice, most of the wind, offshore wind turbines mm-hmm. in the world are supported by a structure that's called a monopile which is just a, 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 the simplest possible structure. It's a, it's a hollow tube that gets driven into the, into the seabed made out of steel.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, so so the, the predominant support structure type is a monopile. There's another type that's called a, a, a jacket, which is um, uh, it's kind of smaller triangulated elements um, that form a larger uh, uh, cross-section. Oh, a bit
0: like a base, yeah, I see. A base, yeah. right, yeah. exactly, uh-huh.
1: also made of steel. And then in all cases, and as you've seen, I'm sure with onshore wind turbines, the uh, support structure, kind of above sea level, just like onshore above the ground, is also a hollow tube, a yes. tapered, yes. a tapered hollow yes. steel tube. Yes. Um, so, so steel is the primary material for okay. the support structures. Um, then the mechanical equipment is a is a variety of materials up in the in the nacelle at the top of the wind turbine, and then the blades are made out of uh, fiberglass.
0: Ah. Uh-huh. Oh, okay, all right. Now those blades are enormous. Enormous, And yeah. is is the um, offshore? Are they larger than the ones that are onshore? Yeah, do you I'm, know what I mean? That's, so,
1: so the the way technology is being pushed is towards yeah. turbines with larger power yeah. capacities. You get to a larger power capacity by having a larger rotor, by okay. having a larger circle that you are gener- that you are kind of grabbing uh, wind energy from. You get a larger circle with a longer blade. Um, so the the very most modern uh, offshore wind turbines now are looking at blades uh, At like a hundred that are a like hundred meters long. I mean, they're just an enormously long uh, structures
0: Okay, so that's one thing one more thing with the material then I'd like to talk about that placement that wind yes. farm yep. design that um, I think I asked you at one point that Seen some reference to rare metals. Is that a factor that is of interest to you or a concern?
1: Yeah. So the the uh, the the generator that is converting the mechanical energy of this spinning rotor mm-hmm. into electricity uh, relies on uh, on magnets, mm-hmm. um, and and permanent magnets are uh, use use rare earth metals, mm-hmm. um, and so so that has there's environmental issues with how those are harvested. Okay. And so folks are trying to come up with generators that use less. Uh, rare earth metals. Okay,
0: Is there a possibility there will be an alternative, some synthetic or something like that down the line to replace that, no? Yeah. It has to be the rare earth, because they're limited too, I uh, think.
1: I'm not totally sure about that. Okay, yeah, yeah,
0: okay. And then the structure of these enormous wind farms, the placement of the yeah, turbines. Right. Could you tell us? Is there a, de- a design factor there? Oh,
1: sure. So, so, so one wind turbine is 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 grabbing uh, energy from the wind, and then that energy is not in the wind behind the wind turbine because because the, the wind turbine has taken that energy. Yeah. So you can't just have two wind turbines right next to each other because the one behind the first one will not be seeing as much wind energy because this okay. first one has extracted the energy already. Uh-huh. So the the the, the way that, that so you have to space them at a distance that's that's far enough away that the next turbine down the line can still grab the full wind energy, and usually that's something like a kilometer or two. So uh-huh. these are spaced about a kilometer or two. Wow!
0: Yes, yeah. yeah. Then how many turbines is, are typically in the wind farm?
1: Yeah, um, so the the development, uh, the, the the kind of furthest Italy, uh, along development off the coast of Massachusetts uh, is looking at an 800 megawatt development, and so if they use 10 megawatt turbines, that would be 80, 10-megawatt turbines. OK.
0: And for megawatts and gigawatts, could yes. you refresh our memory? Yeah,
1: so at a uh, if, if a wind turbine is is operating a capacity factor of about 50%, which is a, a, a high capacity factor, um, uh, a 10 megawatt, a turbine with a 10 megawatt power capacity in a year can generate enough energy to power about 5,000 homes.
0: Okay, yeah. all right. So that's, that's, and that's one that's turbine. One. That's one I turbine. just wanted to make sure that right. we had that very clear because you made reference to that a yep. little bit before. In terms of the design, I think this must be very exciting, this time. Your engineering, I think it sounds as though you'd have to put together not just civil engineering, but a whole pile of things. Is that true? Oh, it's
1: certainly, yes. Um, so, I mean, at the least, you need uh, structural engineers, mechanical engineers, electrical engineers, um, construction managers, marine warranty surveyors, insurers, financiers. Yeah, right, I mean, right, it's, a, right, it's right. a complex... But even
0: in terms of the engineering, it's yeah. it's like a huge brain there. One specialty is not adequate for Designing it apparently. That's
1: right. That's right. You'll, you'll a whole host of engineering types are involved in designing a, a wind turbine.
0: Okay. If the research end of this is becoming international, your group has done some international work. Work with. International teams, and so is that coming?
1: That's right. Well, I mean, so so Europe is so far in front right now that, that 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 we are very eager to learn as much as we can from 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 the Danes, from from the Germans, from the from the French, from the from the Norwegians. Uh, everybody the Norwegian, else has been at this.
0: That's right. While you're on there. Why are they so far ahead? Yeah. Some of these people have oil, for example, mm-hmm. you know, and they were selling oil and they've gone off to do uh, the wind and right. and commit to this resource. Why why are they so far ahead?
1: It's interesting that you mentioned that. Yeah. So uh, two of the uh, the largest offshore wind energy developers are are companies that that were oil companies. Uh, so yeah. Orsted is a Danish company yeah. that was an oil company, uh, and and Equinor don't is, as know well. I the
0: name. Yeah. Is that's that ra- Norwegian or e- Equinor is a-
1: Norwegian and okay. uh, yeah, Orsted is Danish. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, that, that's a tough question. I'm not exactly sure. I mean, they they have the the force of public opinion, and um, uh, so I think I think the, the public is behind it in Europe. I think. I think also uh, European countries have federal energy policies. Yes. where in the United States, it's the it's the states uh, yeah, that are controlling right. their energy <laughs> yeah. to a large degree. Yes. Um, and so I think that 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 having a coordinated federal energy policy yeah. uh, can help to kind of push these industries forward.
0: Right, but also that commitment, that solid commitment by the governments uh, mm-hmm. in, in themselves, and. Do you have any idea why? It seems as though there is almost a resistance to renewable energy. We're always catching some kind of an argument why. This is just virtually impossible. Let's bring back coal, which is a fantasy and so on. Um, Why this resistance in the United States and why it's successful, apparently?
1: Yeah, that's a complicated question. I'm not, I'm, I'm uh, not Okay, sure. It's not an sure. engineering yeah, question, yeah. just frustrating. Right.
0: But it was in your the very good article in PhysOrg that mm-hmm. I read about your group mentioned this, that it is frustrating to engineers, people in this field, that the United States keeps resisting, basically. So do you have any ideas how we might promote it better?
1: Well I think I think one thing is is, is making sure that, that folks realize how tremendous the resource is off of the coast specifically off of the Atlantic coast. So yes. so the Atlantic coast has enough developable offshore wind energy power to power the entire country. This is it takes incredible. about a thousand gigawatts to power the whole country and, and there is that Amount that of capacity is there, is on the which coast. raises
0: the question again: Why hasn't this happened? You yeah. know, it's almost a pilot thing off Rhode Island, and uh, so, but nothing has happened. What are our prospects in the future in terms of what you know about the development?
1: Oh, I'm I'm very bullish about the industry. Um, yes. So, so uh, in particular, there there are. Um, something like 20 projects uh, in the works for the United States right now, um, okay. several in Massachusetts. Uh-huh. Uh, so the one I mentioned uh, yes. is an 800 megawatt project okay. that was uh, that, that, that recently just was awarded a long t- or offered a long-term contract to the okay. state of Massachusetts at a, at a very low price. Um, there are, I don't know if you saw a few months ago, but there were three lease areas uh, off the coast of Massachusetts that went for 130 million dollars each, which is a stunning uh, amount of money for an offshore wind energy lease. So the industry, and it was all, it was major international players that are leasing these areas. Uh-huh-huh. So the industry all over the world sees the Atlantic coast and, and is, is looking to help us get this industry going. It looks like it's gonna be a big deal really soon.
0: Oh, that's excellent. Well, I can understand that like uh, states like Massachusetts, I don't know about Maine, Massachusetts, definitely yep. New York. Yep. If those states get get it started, First, how long would be before it's deployed that it's productive? Well,
1: this this first project I keep mentioning, the one yeah. that the state of Massachusetts now has a long-term power contract to buy power from this developer. I mean, this one is 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 imminent. I mean, it's uh, Oh, it's, this it's, is great. Yeah, I mean, they're they're talking about construction within years. That's
0: um, excellent and just in time. You know. The the uh, how long does it take to put up a wind farm like this, that you're considering this project?
1: Yeah, I um, mean, so that's hard too, because uh, we have the European experience, which has decades of developing the supply chain, the workforce, yes. and all these things. So so having the first one in the United States, it's kind of, it, we, have, we have to figure it out.
0: Right, um, ah-ha-ha-ha, ha, ha. Yeah. okay. So, uh,
1: it, it'll be years for sure. Right, to...
0: is it possible for the United States to produce the components here? I understand the turbines might be produced in country X, can we do all of it here
1: yeah i mean the 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 entire machine involves an international supply oh, chain oh it is um yeah there are there are uh, some of the ones in rhode island uh, those turbines came from france
0: yes i see um, and France had parts from Japan or whatever. Everybody's oh, yeah. Got, that's just After
1: manufacturing, sure. Yeah, right.
0: right. So it is international in principle. These, it is. This kind of thing. And you're not going to get around it. You can't bring it all home or anything.
1: But the, uh, the support structures, a mm-hmm. lot of the material goes in the support structure. And mm-hmm. the support structure... Can be made domestically. Um, so, so here I'm talking about. I mentioned the monopile, yeah, right, the jacket, right, right, right. and the and tower, the steel
0: tower. Um, so,
1: stuff. so, so those, and, and the U.S. has a lot of experience in offshore construction in the Gulf of Mexico for oil and gas structures, and so, um, so right. we have a lot of experience on similar offshore structures.
0: Okay, all right. So, it is all doable, and there are things in the works, and that we really have the capacity, potentially, to supply the whole country.
1: Yeah, it's 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 stunning how large the resources and right. offshore. And way.
0: this is this is all you would produce it in the off the East Coast.
1: Yeah, I mean, so I don't I don't think that's the optimal way to yeah, get all of right, the. right, right. I understand. It, so what about the West Coast? Right, exactly. So I mean, <laughs> right. and, and there's other other, other, other great energies, energy sources right, as well. Right, right But right. I, just to let folks know that how big the overall resource is that if it were developed it could power the whole country uh, yes but, but that isn't right. the
0: it, i understand right. that in principle it right. could exactly just why out of curiosity the the uh west coast it's not a cons- big a consideration
1: yeah, um, so the West Coast tends to have deeper water than the Atlantic Coast. Ah, that's, that's yes, big, right off, right. Uh,
0: right off, right. So, so the and West Coast sloping.
1: is, uh, exactly right. And so so the West Coast is thinking more so about about floating wind turbines. So, oh, so, yes, I meant so, to ask. So these are, are wind turbines which are not supported by the ground. Right. They're supported by floating yes. structures. Yes, could you
0: tell us a little more about it? So you're not thinking of that. For the East Coast, but for the West Coast, where or wherever you have like a sharp drop off, off the coast, uh, and the water becomes deep too quickly, then the floating is a possibility.
1: Well, I think floating. Um, so, so I, I am thinking about floating. Most most folks on the. Uh, East coast are thinking about fixed bottom. I understand that, right? But but even still, the the East Coast uh, has a lot of resource that is inaccessible by fixed bottom structures. So, so even on the East Coast, uh, I I see eventually the the opportunity for floating structures. Um, it's probably more immediate on the West Coast, just because they, they don't have large developable areas for fixed-bottom structures. Right.
0: OK. So this is really very, very interesting. Gets better by the minute. Yeah. Here. Now, another thing is that when um, the onshore wind farms, one of the objections, and it came up right here in Massachusetts, mm-hmm. was not in my backyard. Mm-hmm. There was all this noise or all these other concerns. Yep that is not a concern at all with offshore is that correct
1: um the uh, the sites that i've been mentioning are 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 you know tens of miles offshore yes. and so the the influence on on kind of viewsheds is uh, is is minimal um, the uh, so so com- compared to onshore the the effect on kind of views i think is much okay, less okay
0: so we we can eliminate that as an objection and then another one that crops up but it came up of course with with the onshore i think more was <clears throat> pardon me the environmental like na- like birds and and that sort of thing would that be uh, is is it uh, in the european experience for instance is it is it really a factor
1: yeah the the birds are a factor and and the factor that that i see Brought up more often is uh, is whale migration during construction. So construction is oh, is right. noisy. Yes, um, yes, And uh, when you're when you're pile That's driving right. a monopile right. and, and hammering right. it, it's loud and can disrupt whale migration. So. Um, the, Europe has developed technologies for minimizing the noise. Right. They have an understanding of the periods of time when it's okay I to make noise. I you going say,
0: right, when the whales are not migrating, you'd use that period to, for construction. Yeah. And then after that, it's not such a big deal, right? After, when, once the wind turbines are moving around, then that's not affecting anything in the water.
1: Right. Um, some Essentially. some folks are hopeful that it can be uh, uh, you know a better habitat for some fisheries. Um, so the the, um, the 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 whale issue though is mostly an issue during construction. Yeah, yeah.
0: I understand yeah. that, but that's something that you can resolve. It's a problem that can be resolved. So the uh, the the it sounds as though you're good to go in here, and you are in the middle of this at just exactly the right moment, you must be a happy man. Oh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's so exciting to be part of, a, uh, of a,
1: an industry that I think is about to take off yes. and to, that I think is going to be a really important part of our kind of energy landscape in the United States. Right, yeah. right.
0: Do you ever compare it with, say, solar? I, I understand people get into the engineering, the design engineering of these particular things, and then they don't you know pay much attention to the other did, did you ever consider that also or just
1: yeah well, so i think i think solar is a part of the solution most definitely okay. yeah All um, right. the, you know solar works well in a distributed sense people right. have people have solar panels on their rooftops they don't right. have wind turbines on exactly. their rooftops wind exactly. turbines work best. And kind of commercial scale yes but solar has the benefit of it can be distributed right nicely. or
0: in dry very dry areas where the, so they they joke about turning the Sahara into a solar farm you know yeah <laughs> at this point and I think
1: so. uh, and and uh, you know solar also has um, the the benefit of it. it tends to be complementary with uh, wind energy yeah. generation okay. where when when solar is generating the most um, wind tends to generate less, and when so- at night, when solar is generating right. the least, wind tends to generate a lot. That's so they, an they, they interesting kind of work well point. Together.
0: Yes, so these things are complementary. These are. new forms of energy are complementary. How optimistic are you about the United States, the situation for us now? Do you see us moving forward despite resistance in some quarters?
1: Yeah. So, like most of my thinking is on the offshore wind energy industry in particular, yes. and. Um, uh, ever since we had that Rhode Island project, yes. that demonstration project, we had we had offshore wind turbines industrial scale in the United States. Um, you know, every year the conferences that I go to about offshore wind energy, right. they are more and more people coming. There's more and more energy. Uh, the major international developers are moving. They're, okay. o- they're creating offices in the Atlantic Coast. They are leasing the areas. Right. And, and so you
0: have investors are interested. Nations are interested, mm-hmm. and uh, even in the United States, you have at least investors that will commit and so on. Do you see any shift from, say, fossil fuel? I've often wondered why don't they just move over into these kinds of things? You know, because they have dealt with huge equipment, huge projects and things, why keep digging up oil? Do you see any of that happening? They're making a shift to commit to uh, renewable?
1: Right, so I mentioned the two in Europe, so Equinor used to be um, Here. and then uh, the, the Danish one, um, Shell as well. So Shell, Shell, Shell actually uh, has uh, owns one of the leases off the coast of Massachusetts. Okay. Um, so so yeah, they're, the, the oil companies are.
0: If they um, if they see that as profitable, you think they might make a shift. I ask that because there's this renewed effort to drill in the oceans and so on, and a lot of people are very upset about it. And uh, those are the companies that we've had problems with before. Is there anything else in terms of like the energy security or the engineering that we should discuss here that you would like to bring up?
1: I think so. Maybe if I could talk a little more about floating? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yes. Yeah, okay. Sure. Yeah. So when I was citing those numbers of, uh, of the potential for the Atlantic coast to uh, generate offshore wind energy that powers the entire country, um, I was including Areas that have water depths that are that are too large to have a fixed bottom offshore wind turbine And so I think there's an amazing opportunity for engineering creativity uh, for engineering ideas to support uh, To create floating structures that can support offshore wind turbines. Um, there's there's some advantages to floating. I mean, you can construct them uh, at port, where it's easier to construct things than it is uh, at sea.
0: Uh-huh, um, uh, you okay.
1: can you can go to yeah. the very. You're not kind of constrained in a single location. Yeah. You can go to the to the best uh, wind resources. So that's very it, interesting. It unlocks a huge amount of locations along yeah. the globe yes. for develop for harvesting offshore wind energy industry.
0: Is it potentially the good? Could, could you see this? Heading toward floating farms in the end, floating wind farms to replace the what would you call the stable bottom. one, fixed bottom. Right.
1: Um, so if you look the 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 National Renewable Energy Lab, that's yeah. the U.S. Uh, national lab that's that does a lot of work on uh, the offshore wind energy industry. Their projection is that is that eventually floating. Wind energy could be cheaper than fixed bottom, so, uh-huh. so so they are thinking there are some advantages to floating. Okay. But there's a lot of technology, there's a lot of engineering for anyone who's kind of looking for an engineering challenge that they want to think about. I think floating, developing floating offshore wind energy technology, is a good one.
0: That's very interesting. And while we're on that, uh, you're in this fabulous field <laughs> that seems like oh, it, yeah, you know, yeah. and you point out. I mean, it requires the technical skills but also just being creative just being able to see design down the down the line Do you have any advice for young people that might be considering it because they say that uh, the renewable energy is just huge for jobs for all kinds of things certainly
1: yeah right well I, I guess I guess one point I just hope that we can that, that, that young people might take away from this is just um, how large the resources how um, how significant the industry already is and is likely yeah, to become. Yeah, it sounds like. Um, and just the, the, the huge, Diversity of jobs that are going to be required by this this industry. There's there's engineers. There's going to be folks constructing them. There's yeah. going to be folks maintaining them. Yes, it's right, a lot of right, right. really good, really important jobs, and so so I so I, I see it as a as a really meaningful potential career path for for, for young people. So I, I hope they consider it.
0: Right, I, that's it's inspiring. I think it would be really exciting to be working in this. And one more last point is that. Uh, is there something that we could do as a, you know, just citizens to get the governments to pay more attention? So kind of one
1: encouraging thing that I've realized from the, the past uh, many years uh, thinking about the offshore wind energy industry is that it is uh, more locally driven than you might think. I mean, it is ah. really states that are driving okay. this forward. And, right. and, and all of this kind of uh, significance of the industry Uh, It became really significant when Massachusetts passed a law requiring that a certain amount of power be generated from offshore wind energy. As soon as a law was in place, that changed everything. Folks were willing to start move offices to to the Atlantic coast. They were willing to start investing resources. And so... So, so you local, can do it and, local. And, and it's 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 local too. Right? Yeah. So so kind of local. I mean local,
0: statewide. Statewide.
1: Right? Statewide laws are driving this industry. So
0: very interesting. So and then if enough of those states get on board with something like that, it will simply perpetuate. Other yes. people will be forced to get on the, get on the ball here. Yeah. Well, Dr. Myers, this was very interesting to talk to you about this, and I wish you the best of luck. I think you're going to have a wonderful career, and the project at Northeastern University sounds very interesting as well.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was en- I enjoyed our conversation.
0: Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this podcast of a Science for the Public event. Please check out our website, www.scienceforthepublic.org for videos of all our events, lists of upcoming events, our weekly Sci News Roundup newsletter, and timely science information.